Welcome to the Traveling Image Makers Podcast, your source of inspiration about travel photography. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the ride as we bring you on a tour around the world with our guests. Welcome to episode 170 of the Traveling Image Makers podcast with your host Ugo Chai. What does it mean to live on the border? It might be the border between humanity's last dwelling at the edge of the Arctic, or the thin red line between continents where migrants are trapped in a limbo and forgotten, or mountains of trash where a few desperate people live precariously between life and death. Valentino Tambora, the guest of this episode of the podcast, is a young travel photographer and photojournalist, but she has already explored many of those borders. She tells the stories of the people who live on the border with her images and her words. If you listen to this podcast, you will be transported there too. And now let's listen to my interview with Valentina Tambora. Enjoy! Good morning, Valentina. How are you today? Hi, Hugo. I'm fine. And you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, great to to find you at home. I think you're at home in Milan today, right? Yes, I am at home. I'm not uh, in a strange place <laughs> today. <laughs> Which is not, not common for you. I mean, you, you do travel a lot. No, it's so, not common. <laughs> so good, good to find you at home. We are uh, very close, actually, and uh, same time zone. And we have uh, opportunity to talk uh, after having met in person in a couple of occasions uh, i've been following yeah. your work for some time and uh, and i love it and i wanted to have you here uh, on this podcast uh, yeah. just because i would like my audience uh, our audience to to know more about you and to to hear uh, about your work from your own voice so uh, just for those people who don't know who valentina tambora is can you give a little introduction about your uh, your life as a photographer how you did get started and where you are now okay um so i am a photographer <laughs> and there's nothing else to say or to better say i've chosen uh, the photography to express myself i use words too and uh, as i write and for me these two languages uh, are deeply connected because in a certain way i am a storyteller so what makes a young woman want to embrace a career in photography, especially photojournalism yeah. in this day and age? <laughs> and what, the first thing that comes to my mind, of course, is the fact that there doesn't seem to be much money to, make, to be possible to make a living in photojournalism nowadays. There is uh, many newspapers and news outlets are laying off their photographer staff and so on. So... I mean, you're starting, I don't know about your background, your education, but you say, oh, I want to be a photojournalist. How does that uh, come through? Uh, why? Um, I choose this, uh, this word because in a certain way, I've always felt uh, the urge to look the world with, uh, with my eyes mm. and not uh, through other ones. So I'm curious maybe because I come from a border area between Italy and Slovenia, and I am attracted by border story. So it's not an easy job. But uh, I think those little stories that no one or maybe just few know, those stories that run the risk to be lost, 
this is the reason why, that's why I've chosen the reportage. But you asked me uh, why I chose this uh, work, maybe because it's not easy to do this work, no? no In no. this time. Yes, because I think the photojournalism uh, changed a lot during these years. So it's important to become an author, not only a photographer. It's a, a long, uh, how do you say, your, your question is not easy, but uh, because it's a long uh, answer. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, we have time. <laughs> <laughs> um, my project, uh, normally it's a long-term project, you know. Yes. So it's important to uh, understand at the beginning uh, where you want to go with this project. What's the final goal that you want? And uh, after that, after a long time uh, of studying and research, you can try to find your sponsor and someone who believes in your work. Mm -hmm. But uh, find a sponsor is another work, okay? Yeah. And it's a lot of work. Uh, it's a big work, it's not easy, it uh, requires a lot of time. So this is the reason why when I start a project, maybe I start uh, one year before, okay? Yeah. Yeah. So you're basically saying that, uh, I think two, two things, and it's important to, let, let me understand if I uh, get you correctly. One, it's important to also be a, to be a writer, to be an author. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, you, it's hard to sell only photos. Uh, yes. Newspaper, news magazines, or other organizations, they want a story. Yeah, yeah. Huh? Okay. Yes, but I don't think only a um, uh, newspaper. Because, you know, in a newspaper, if you are lucky, you can use a two or three images and uh, one or two pages of article. Mm -hmm. Okay? I think... Uh, at a long story. So I need, uh, for example, exhibition and speech and talk and presentation. And uh, I write a communication project, not only a story, mm -hmm. okay? When I speak about the Arctic, for example, and after we can talk about if you want, I, I don't speak, uh, I don't think, okay, now I prepare a reportage, a reportage and that's all. I think, uh, what can I do with this uh, topic, with this material? Uh, what, which kind of subjects are interested in? So I start to think, okay, maybe it's interesting for uh, climate change. And maybe it's interesting uh, for uh, a touristic entity. Or maybe it's interesting for the students. So I, in, how do you say... Um, spread my work in many places, okay? Yeah. Yes. And you can sell your work in many places in this way. Yes, uh, I think that that's very important, uh, something that I've been discussing in other places. But uh, ma many people I see who complain they're not successful, they, nobody cares about their work and so on, sometimes they don't realize that you, you cannot wait to be discovered, you cannot yeah. wait to be picked by somebody yeah. else. You have to, as Seth Godin says, you have to pick yourself 
So you have to put yourself in front of the people who might be interested. And that takes a lot of work. You have to probably to knock at many doors before somebody wants to open. Yeah. Yeah. And you must be, how do you say, courageous? Yeah, courageous. Courageous. Yes, because... Uh, many clo- uh, many doors remain closed, <laughs> okay? Because uh, when you try to knock at the door, you you can know if uh, someone open to you. And then, for example, I make you an example. At the first time, um, at the beginning of my career, I want to speak with you know Ferdinando Shanna. Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, for for those who don't know, it's a. Uh... Italian photographer, like old school Italian photographer, can yeah. you call him like that? Was working in fashion for for some time and uh, reportage also, yeah. But he is a good storyteller too, so yeah. this is the reason why I want to know him. And uh, no one of my friends know him, so I can't ask simply, okay, intro- let me in- introduce me to mm-hmm. Ferdinand, okay? So one day I think, okay, now I go. And uh, knock at the door. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, I I went to the to his office, and uh, in a certain way knock at the door. Then he opened to me, and he said to me, "Maybe you are a photographer. You have five minutes." Oh. Wow! I think okay. I'm really terrified because Ferdinando is a I have a strong personality, and uh, in, it's a uh, strong man it's not easy to speak with him okay but i explained to him what i want to do and then he said to me okay come back to your home and send me your best portrait then i decide if i can help you or not mm-hmm. so i come back to my home i prepare my portfolio and i send to him and they stay for one week in front of my computer <laughs> hoping for they, an email to come <laughs> yes and when the, the email uh, arrived I don't want to open it because I'm terrified for the second time but he spent for me very beautiful words and say okay come back I'm waiting for you mm-hmm. so from this time at now I have a, in a certain way a, a sort of friendship so Ferdinando uh, know me and uh, respect my work uh, and sometimes we speak about what one, I want to do Ugo is that if you are not cor- courageous mm-hmm. you can't do nothing yeah. okay you must try you must try and you must go in front of the people and uh, express uh, yourself and simply say what you want to do and someone if you, if you have a good idea if you have a good project someone um, listen to you. It's not easy. It's not easy. Not and, easy. and I guess it's, you also have to accept the, the refusals. The people yes. who will just ignore you, they will say, no, your work is not good or I don't care about it. Uh, it comes with uh, it. Comes with it and it, you don't have to take it personally because, I mean, everybody don't, don't maybe people think that uh, photographers or people in other fields who are, who are successful just... Uh, one day they got up, they knocked on the right door and door opened and everybody, everything else was then went smoothly. It's not like that, right? Uh, many people, I'm sure you, you knocked at many other doors and nobody opened. So you have to, to accept that. Yes, to, have that, to accept and go. But it's not a stop, a no. total stop. If someone say, okay, I don't like your work. Okay, uh, I go away. 
It's you, not you... a problem. When I make my first project, Doppia Luce, there is a, um, I don't know, uh, critico, um, a critic. Critic. Okay. He said to me, oh, you uh, took a wonderful picture. Wonder, really wonderful, this portrait, because, you know, I'm mainly a portrait photographer, mm-hmm. no? But he said to me, you can't sell this image. No one can uh, buy because no one wants a portrait on, uh, on, the sofa, yeah. on the sofa. Okay, so I replied, but it's a good photo. And he said, yes, it's a good photo. Okay, I go away with my work. Then after six months, I have a big exhibition in Milan. And after this big exhibition in Milan, I make another exhibition uh, in Naples. And I sell a lot of this portrait. And I have many articles, even on Corriere della Sera, you know, or other important newspaper. I go interview with my project. So if I stop at the first, no, you can sell this. Maybe I do anything. Yeah, yeah, uh, totally true. I mean, uh, been, as I said, I've been thinking and speaking about this and totally resonates with, with my thoughts. And these are not my thoughts. This is something that I heard from, from people like you who are working in this industry. And uh, the struggle is common to everyone. Yeah. yeah. So you, you talked about portraits, which is your... Um, yeah. Uh, one of your... Uh, ways of expression one of the genres that you that you pursue or you also do as you we said uh photojournalism travel photography uh and also humanitarian projects uh so but, but what is your true calling if you said oh i if tomorrow i could do one thing what would i do if there is one thing uh okay mm, i'm mainly a portrait photographer uh, photographer as i said but I'm curious about people and individuals. And uh, so I apply this approach to every assignment, work or whatever of my project in general. Uh, My work in a certain way is more an anthropological research on the world, taken by me with my camera. I mean, it's it's possible that there is no, none of those... um genres we can call it like that is your your true calling it's possible that all of them are what you love doing and you do all of them because you love all of them it's perfectly fine if that is your answer but sometimes mm-hmm. sometimes people they will say i really like like to photograph uh, flowers yeah but since i cannot make a living photographing flowers then i have to do <laughs> fashion because that's what pays yeah. my bills that's that's no. fine but in your case it might be different you might love everything that you do and no the the simple uh, I, I perfectly understand what you mean but what i want to say is this i i love people yeah. okay so people are in every kind of of work of my project you can find people everywhere in my project okay sometimes i work with the fashion too but in my way because i'm a reporter i'm a portrait photographer and reporter so the focus of my work is people but everyone needs a photo of people in a certain (laughs) way if you think at commercial part okay um, for example, even my last project is about people Then after we can speak about. But it's a big project and it's a commercial and marketing project. Okay. But I do reportage. 
So your reportage you, style. It is yes. I use my reportage style for uh, for living because uh, I find the way, uh, and it's not an easy way that uh, I explain to you because you must be an author. You can't go. For example, yesterday I was at the meeting with the Olus of Milan, and they have a small idea, uh, and then I spread the idea and I said okay it's good but it's not enough now uh, let me talk and uh, I explain to you how you can use your idea and make something bigger mm -hmm. at the end of this meeting they asked me okay please write for us a communication project then for this Olus I make a communication project and the photo too because I am a photographer but not only a photographer this is the key I think this is the key and you can think okay but uh, it's not easy no it's not easy because uh, you must be a writer and photographer uh, you must be know the um, rule of marketing okay because you sell not all your product you sell yourself because uh, the your, uh, your you when you speak uh, the person be from in front of you must believe in you Yes, so it's it's mostly about people. Whenever where you travel or you do it in a, in a studio, it's mostly about people. Uh, but you yeah. also like to shoot polar bears. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I was I was checking your. Uh, this is just an excuse to talk about uh, some of your projects. Uh, yeah. And of course, this this blog is uh, sorry. This podcast is about travel photography. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I like to talk about travel photography. But I was checking your uh, one of the projects I wanted yeah. to talk about, and no, there is not actually not one photo of a polar bear. <laughs> polar yeah. Bear. <laughs> On your portfolio, there's that's uh, there are dogs too. <laughs> yeah, many dogs. <laughs> yeah, uh, so this this project is called Mitular. I don't know if you pronounce it like that. Uh, yeah, it's Mitular. I am the border. I am the border. What's, what language is that? Um, Mitular in ancient Etruscan means I am the border. But it, it's not about uh, Etruscan people. It's uh, about... No, no, no. But at the how it's not easy to explain. But um, uh, the runic alphabet comes from Etrurian. Mm -hmm. So, in the past, you know the myth of uh, uh, the last Tule? Yeah. Is, okay, it comes from this. Mitular is, the, um, is right on a rock mm -hmm. at the border, okay? And uh, it means I am the border. Mm. It's a rock that signs the border. And then Etrurians are connected to Vikings. Mm -hmm. So this is the reason why uh, I call my project Mitular, I am the border. You remember, I saw that when I start a project, I study a lot. So I really like to cr create connection. So in this area... Uh, uh, we, we didn't say what, what area it is, actually. <laughs> so yeah, I, yeah, we, yeah. We know, but let, we let's speak, our, um, our listeners know about it. Yeah, we speak about Svalbard, mm -hmm. the northernmost uh, um, inhabited place of the world, okay? Uh, this island where uh, the winter temperature goes under 35 and the sunlight is a mirage um, which lasts uh, 
few hours per day and the polar bears outnumber uh, the inhabitants. Um, it's a place that really fascinates me, okay? So I want to discover what kind of people choose to live in a place like this. And I decided uh, to work uh, on Arctic uh, intended as last border, or to better say, as a frontier. Last frontier. That uh, is something you can cross. Okay, for example, in this place, uh, uh, there are 42 different, uh, let's see, 43 different nationalities. Uh, they live in peace. Not have, uh, even of uh, them requiring a, a visa because there is uh, an international Svalbard treaty. So in a certain way, it's an utopic place for me because I work a lot on a border area. Mm-hmm. And when I grow up, I understand that the borders are a problem, okay? So when I choose to work in this area, is because I want to understand if in the world there is a place with no border. And I think I, I find it in Svalbard. Yeah, I remember when I came to, to visit your exhibition in Milan, uh, you told the story about this uh, Thai a waiter? Yeah, Pong. 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 Pong is a Thai man that uh, came to Svalbard for work and he didn't know what Svalbard was. So when he arrived, he had a very small jacket and uh, it's totally dark. And then he cried a lot for six months and he think, I want to come back, I want to come back. But now he stayed there from 10 years, I think. <laughs> and uh, he wants to stay there. And he, he lived there uh, very well. So sometimes come back to his home for vacation uh, for one month and then come back to Svalbard. Yeah, it's like not a... easy. Yeah? It's not easy because, for example, uh, I said, uh, said to you the sunlight is uh, last a few hours per day. And there are many polar bears. So you, are, uh, you live... Uh, with the nature, and this is the nature that decides for you. You can't organize nothing. For example, if you want to go to Svalbard and you have, for example, I don't know, five days, okay, you can't do a really uh, schedule because you think, okay, uh, the first day I go out for um, see the, the blue ice cave. And the second day, I won't go to Pyramiden. And the third, okay, it's not possible because you arrive and maybe the first day there is a storm. And then after that, sun for three hours. And after that, you can have a totally white out. So the, the first rule in the Arctic is that the Arctic decides for you. Mm-hmm. So if you are a traveler, you must know this. When people ask me, I have only four days, what can I do? I reply, oh, I don't know, depends. And they think, okay, she, she don't want to reply me. No, it's not this. But it's really, uh, it's an Arctic desert. So it's a desert, it's not a mountain. People sometimes make some confusion about this. It's really a fascinating place, but it's a, a strong place. It's a particular place and you must respect. It's a tough place. And, and I think you've been there in winter too, so yeah, that doesn't make times. things easy. <laughs> two times. I was there the first time in June and there are zero degrees. 
and then I come back in March, and March is the one of the coldest uh, months during the year, the year, and there are minus 30, minus 30 degree. Yeah. You can imagine the poor Thai guy coming from plus 35 and moving to minus 35, like a 70 degree Celsius with thinking here. Yeah. Yeah, it's not change. easy. Yeah. It's not easy, <laughs> but it's beautiful. And then just one month ago, I was in the tundra for another project. And uh, the tundra, maybe it's worse, you know, because in, in the Arctic, I have some points that I can recognize, some mountain that I can recognize. And I think, OK, I'm here. Uh, the tundra is totally flat. So you don't have points that you can recognize. Um, so if you don't have a GPS, you are totally lost. And if you lost yourself in the tundra, maybe you die. It's easy to die. So I think it's important to say this thing because people sometimes don't, when they speak about Arctic and think about Arctic because tundra is uh, in the Arctic, Arctic area, in the Arctic Circle, don't understand what is. and uh, is really dangerous if you don't understand what you do and uh, where you go yeah yeah can imagine yeah. um talking about borders again i would yeah. like to talk about one of your other projects yeah. which is called la sottile linea rossa which translates to the thin red line yeah uh, you want to tell us uh, about it yes uh, for sure um la sottile linea rossa is a project that, um that i made um two or three years ago, and I worked on the European borders for around one year and a half or two, with the help of Doctors Without Borders, you know. I've been in those places that went uh, under the light of the media for some time, and then forgotten. Uh, but often, when the silence comes to dramatic stories, as the one I collected, it's not because uh, they have been solved. No? And that moment I'm interested more. For not letting everything going into the silence, for not forgetting those people and their lives. So what, what, who are those people? Uh, so I went to Ventimiglia, Menton, for example, between Italy and France, on, uh, in Switzerland, on the como Chiasso border, and then in Lesbos, inside the refugee camp of Morian. And so you know we, we're situation. talking about migrants here, right? Coming yes, about Europe. migrants. Yeah. Yes, about migrants. And this is a refugee camp in Moria and Kos. I don't know if you know the situation now, but in Moria it's terrible, really terrible. Nothing changed. That um, underlies the importance of the work you do because uh, you hear about it in the news for, for some days and then it's completely forgotten. The news yeah. don't talk. The news, the newspapers, the TVs don't talk about that anymore. Yeah, because yeah. nothing changes, so it's not news yeah. anymore. It's but not the situation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is this is the hard part of my work. This is the reason why I I said to you, a, a magazine is not enough. You can use magazine at the beginning, and I write for magazine. I'm happy to do this. I I don't know if you know, but I make. Uh, I made the free article about Iraq, for example, mm. on last month. But uh, it's important to continue to speak about this place and come back to this place where other people go away. Because if you don't come back, if you don't show to the people what happened after the media uh, comes, these people 
are forgotten. So, for example, this work, La Sottile Linea Rossa, became an exhibition in Nova Milanese during last year with Doctor Without Borsar, and another exhibition with the Circolo Arci di Nova Milanese, there I had many speech, and I had the, ch uh, the ch ch chance to meet students from different schools, and it came out a wonderful dialogue on migration. Um, always, uh, as you know, uh, as I said, with medicine, with uh, Doctor Without Borders, uh, we have several speech and conference to talk about this topic. Because the most important thing is that it's important to continue to speak about this topic because it's, a, it's not a, an emergency. We must use the right words. It's not an emergency. Now it's a condition, a normal condition. Okay, it's a process. So we must speak about these places and these people because they are people like us. And sometimes when we put, um, how do you say, label on people, you uh, forgot that they are people. Yeah, you they are only refugees. Huh? Yes, they are only refugees or they are only poor. And they are only, I don't know, uh, for example, I work on the earthquake in um, Middle Italy. Mm -hmm. And then the people say, oh, I don't know in English, how do you say terremotati? Uh, uh, yeah, I, <laughs> people who have been uh, in lost their homes because of, yes. uh, of an earthquake. No one, yeah. no. When I arrive in this place, I ask uh, for a for speak with the... Uh, a girl, I have only the name, and I ask her to this man in this security area, you know, Enza, and they say, oh, uh, who? And they say, this is an, an hotel, okay, an hotel when these people can stay after the earthquake. And I say, I must speak with uh, this girl, I am a photographer, I come for an NGO, and you reply to me, ah, you mean uh, the people that have the earthquake. Yes, I say, Enza, she's a girl. And say, oh yes, they, they stay there and point to a place, a part of the other people of the hotel. It's terrible. In a, in a minute, you can lose everything, even your identity. If something happened to you, you are nothing. It's not only a problem of refugee, okay? But... Uh, when we fight for someone, in a certain way, we fight for us. Because it's important to remember that sometimes can happen even to us. It's a problem of every one of us. It's not their problem, it's our problem. What happened in the world, it's our problem. So this is another reason because I choose my work. I can't do a big thing. I can't change the world because I'm nothing, okay? But I do my best. I try to do my best for spread uh, even a little story and change so something for one people, it's enough. If you can change something for one people, it's enough. Good, great. Yeah. I, I feel your passion in, in your words. <laughs> You're very passionate yes, about I what don't, you do. I don't uh, speak a wonderful English, but I hope... That you can That's understand. perfectly understandable, and the feeling that comes through 
your words is uh, is pretty uh, obvious, I would say. <laughs> um, and it's probably even more, it's going to be even more obvious when we talk about this other project of yours yeah. that, I, that I found on your website, which it hit me like a, a punch to the stomach. Yeah. And this project is, uh, not sure about the pronunciation, it's Chokora? It's Chokora. Chokora. Yeah. Well, can yeah. you tell us about it? Yeah, for sure. Chokora is born by the joint efforts between me, the poet and journalist Mario De Santis, and then NGO AMREF Health Africa Italy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we want uh, to tell the story of the Nairobi Chokora. Uh, they are street kids that uh, take their name from the Swahili word of trash. Uh, who live in the Dandora dump site, one of the biggest open sky dump sites in the world. They live uh, of uh, what they find. They hit what can supposedly be hidden and sell uh, what they can sell in order to gain some money to buy glue to sniff. And in fact, the glue helps them uh, not to feel cold and anger. But they have uh, six, seven, eight, nine years old. They are children. Amref tries to take away these kids from the street and offer them a new life, a new chance, even through the recycle of that same trash that in the beginning was a death, pain and suffering, now became music in a certain way. So it's not an easy job because Nairobi is a difficult area. It's really dangerous area. But I felt the the humanity and the desire of a new life in these children it's really a strong strong work um i and mario de santis do i think a, a beautiful job but because uh, we stay a lot with these children we follow them in their path on the way of a new life uh so it's a punch in the stomach for me too be, be, believe in me. Yeah. Uh, the first time when I was in the dump site, I think, okay, it's an hell. Now I see the hell. Because it's, this place is really big and the smell is really strong. And you uh, put your feet on this, I don't know, I do you, I, it's not, it's, it's compressed, it's trash. And I, I, I have the nausea because everything is terrible. And they say these children, these small children, they pick up the things. And when they uh, find something like, uh, I don't know, the skin of the fish, yeah. for example, they eat just in front of me. And they think it's not possible. We can accept a thing like this. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. You say you, you can do a little bit to, to change the world uh, with no. your work, right? But just, just a little bit, but those things change you. Yeah, right? for example, sometimes it's not easy. Uh, I really love my job, as I said, and I, as I, you understand. But sometimes uh, I, I felt like I am a guilt because in a certain way I come back. I come back to my normal life, to my home. <laughs> and it's not easy to put together this 
two way of life because sometimes you are in the you, you are in a terrible place you see the people that die just in front of you and then after two or three days you come back to home or 10 days or 20 days is not important and uh, your life is normal totally normal you can go away to your house and go around uh, and think uh, oh yes uh, we not have bomb no one uh, shoot me uh, I have the light, I have the food. Like in Iraq, for example, the government cut the light and cut internet because they don't want that the people speak about what happened in Iraq. And believe me, it's not uh, normal and human things because mm-hmm. in Iraq there are not demo- democracy. Democracy. Yeah. So maybe it's not. Uh, uh, it's not uh, as you say smart that I speak in this way, but it's the truth. So um, it's not easy for me sometimes to come back and I need a, a moment, a day, some days, sometimes weeks for uh, come back uh, for sure uh, uh, at the reality. Yeah. It's not easy. Yeah. Yeah, I see. I see what you mean. Uh, and I think, I think it's important that we speak about this and thank you for, for doing this. I mean, this is a, a, a podcast about travel photography and of course travel photography is something that we do as uh, westerners because we are privileged yeah right it's- we talk we love to go to to places around the world we go to to india we can go to africa we can go to those places because we uh, sometimes we act like tourists we are privileged we can go there we can photograph those places but sometimes or, or often not just sometimes we don't see the harsh reality that is behind the yeah. curtain so to speak and it's important to, to bring it to light uh, in a way yes this is yeah so yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it sounds now kind of uh, strange for me to no to talk, uh, <laughs> you know, i mean to, to talk about now something more uh, lightweight pleasurable uh, yeah. which is the fact that uh, in addition to the great work that you do for ngos and as I said, to bring those situations to light, you also uh, do something more pleasurable work uh, by leading photo tours to, to some of uh, locations like Svalbard. So you yeah. want to, to talk a little bit about about yeah. that as well? <laughs> yes, for sure. Um, I've, been, I've been asked by some travel agencies to work on, of, on some photo travels in those places I know the most. One of these is, uh, is Nama Travel Photography. And working in these travels, my final goal is to give a different view, a non-touristic experience of the place we will discover, uh, a responsi- responsible approach closer to those who live in that place every day, uh, as we, can, we sp- spoke before. No, mm-hmm. I think it's necessary to return to experience travels rather than tourism. Traveling, traveling implies to discover uh, a desire of real knowledge, getting into a reality without changing it, without disturbing and breaking down stereotypes and pre- prejudice. This is the reason why I accept to do something like this. So what's next for you? You told me you're embarking on an, <laughs> another yes. trip soon. Yeah, and not only the trip. Next steps, uh, uh, there are really many things. An exhibit in Rome, and the end of April, about Arctic. And uh, in March, I leave for the Lofoten Island, 
to work on an assignment by Norwegian Seafood Council and DGP. Here I discovered a wonderful story that connects Italy and Norway um, since the uh, um, 14th century. Yeah. I will tell about the cod fishing, uh, of how it becomes stockfish, and of an ancient tradition that connects two words that are so, from, so far from each other. Uh, for this project, I traveled uh, a lot. I was in Venice, in Rome, and more specific specifically in the Vatican Library, to the, um, to the last uh, island of the Lofoten, Rost, where indeed I will come back on next March, and maybe on next October I will do a, a big exhibition about this work. Yeah. yeah, there is a strong connection between the Lofoten oh, Islands and, and Venice and the Veneto oh, region, it's right? It's really strong, but no many people know. Yeah. Uh, if you ask to someone, for example, in Milan, maybe they reply to, to you, what, where, what is? Yeah, yeah, I know the uh, cod, but I don't know the tradition, I don't know the story, but I think it's very interesting, so... I'll do my best to speak about it. I was in the Kilimanjaro uh, in, in Tivu just one month ago on the 1st of December and I start to speak about this project. Yeah, just, just yeah. for the, the non-Italian listeners here, uh, Kilimanjaro, yeah. is, you're not referring to the mountain, you're referring, it's a TV show. Uh, right? Sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, I was wondering, ah, did you go to Tanzania? To yeah, <laughs> yeah, to speak about uh, the code. <laughs> no, it's, a, it's, the it's the name of a TV show here. Yeah. They talk about travel. And, and yeah, you're a yeah. frequent guest there, right? So if people yeah. come to Italy, they can catch you on TV as well. You're a TV yes. celebrity. <laughs> <laughs> no, sometimes it's strange because sometimes someone said to me, Oh, I saw, I see you, I saw you, I, I know your face. Yeah. <laughs> and it's strange because television is a stronger media, yeah. you know. Uh, so it's important to use in our work because I don't want to do TV. It's not in my mind because I'm not interested in television, okay? I want to do my job, but it's important because you can spread your work yeah. uh, in a better way. So it's important, really. Of course, I hope our podcast, I mean, we don't have the audience that national TV has in Italy. <laughs> I hope our podcast can help uh, spread your, your word and your work, which um, I'm really fascinated and I love doing this conversation with you. Uh, but um, I have to let you go. I know you're very busy. Uh, so I'd like to, to thank you again for, for being with us today. And I encourage everyone to, to check out your website where I think they can find everything about you. You want to, to mention what your website is or if yes. you have other presences online. And, and it's com, But you can find me even in Facebook with my name and even, even in uh, Instagram. You can find me easily. If you check on Google, <laughs> yeah, you can, you people can, can Google you and find you easily. Yeah, That's, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, great. Uh, anything else you would like to add before we wrap this up? No, I only want to say thank you for this beautiful uh, exchange because it's really interesting. And uh, so thank you Hugo, for this time, for your time and for everything. Thanks Thank you. to you. I hope to see you soon in at one of your exhibitions or presentations. Okay. Have, have a good day. Have a good day too. Bye bye. Ciao. Bye, Hugo. Bye.